Thanks for joining the One Cause Church podcast, Building a Better Life. For more information about our church, service times, and resources, please check us out on the web at www.onecausechurch.com. You can also search One Cause Church on Facebook and on Twitter. God bless you. All right. How many people know who the great teacher is? The Holy Ghost. So let's just stop and recognize and honor him. You know, you only receive from what you honor. So if you're receiving bad news from something, that means you're honoring that something. Yeah. That's good. That's good. The only thing that affects you is what you honor. Jesus was walking through his own hometown, doing signs, wonders, and miracles. He didn't affect them because they didn't honor him. Okay? So we're going to honor the Holy Ghost. Because he truly is the great teacher. I believe with all my heart the Holy Spirit is here, did come to fill us with power, to be witnesses, not wimps, uh, give us a prayer language, and do us with gifts, and his spirit and his fruit. But Jesus said that he had to send the Holy Spirit to teach us. Teach us. Teach us. We need to understand. So let's just stop and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to teach us. Amen? Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now we come before you. We recognize that that your spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the great teacher in this place. We simply ask for Holy Spirit that you do what you do best. We don't desire information. We desire revelation. We don't desire change. We desire transformation. Holy Spirit, bring us revelation that will take us into transformation. You are the great teacher. We honor you in this place. We recognize you being here. Simply open the eyes to our understanding. Take what we know and now bring understanding to it because we know so much, but we understand so little. May when we leave this place, may we know that you have quickened our inside and brought us life. And all God's people that agree say, Amen and Amen. All right. Turn with me to the book of John. We're going to turn to a lot of scriptures and Uh, You don't have to turn to all these scriptures if you don't want to. We're going to be moving quite fast. Uh, John chapter 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. Everybody say in the beginning. beginning. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. Did you hear that? I'm just going to read that last one again. All things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. Now, you're going to have to let me set this up for you a little bit before we get crazy. I'm going to try to stay calm. It's, uh, I'm being very religious right now. Um... Turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 1. We just read a scripture saying that in the beginning, everything that was made was made in the beginning. (laughs) I'm going to blame this on Eric. This is creation. (laughs) This is in the beginning. This is Genesis 1-1. I will have to say I've never been to a church that didn't have an artificial tree in it. (laughs) 
This is a first. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to buy, I'm going to gift you your church with artificial tree just for times like this. <laughs> this, uh, this represents creation. So bear with me right there. Don't blame this on God. It's just a symbol. This represents creation. In Genesis 1-1, we just read Genesis, uh, in John chapter 1, it says, everything that was made was made by God in Jesus Christ. Everything that was made. So in the beginning, in Genesis 1-1, you have that on the board? In the beginning, God. In the beginning is a reference to time if you break this down in a simple form. In the beginning, that's a reference to time, God, Elohim, created. That word created is the word bera. It means, in this instance, it means created from nothing because how can God create something from something if yeah. something hadn't been created? There was nothing there for God to use to create something with. I just got, just work with me here for a little bit. So this word bera means created from nothing. So in the beginning of time, see, time has a beginning and time has a... Very good. Now you need to say that a little louder. Time has a beginning and time has a... So here is the principle I want to work with you tonight on. If something has a beginning, it has a... This message this evening is called Before in the Beginning. Because if it was before in the beginning, if it doesn't have a beginning, it doesn't have a... Oh. So in the beginning, Elohim, God, the I am on the end of Elohim is a plural. I mean, it's like our S in English. In the beginning, God's, it's the first reference to the Trinity. In the beginning of time, God's, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, created from nothing the heavens and the earth. The word heavens literally means, it doesn't mean heavens like stars, because that doesn't get till later on in the, in the chapter. It means space. Everybody take your hands like this and just set them this far apart. You need to understand that in the beginning, Elohim had to create what's in between your hands called nothing. The space wasn't even there. It didn't even exist. I know that's hard for our finite minds to, to comprehend and get around, but it says he created the heavens. It also goes on and says he created the earth. The word earth there is eretz in the Hebrew. It literally means matter. It's not the round sphere. That wasn't created till a couple verses down. So in the beginning of time, God created from nothing space and Eretz. The word Eretz actually means matter. It doesn't mean the round globe called the earth. It means matter. And as you go ahead and read, it talks about how God created light. Now, God, it wasn't this kind of light. It could, this is a form of light, but you know there's many types of different kinds of light. Or Light is a form of energy. And there's many forms of energy. Literally, what the word light means is energy. So in the beginning of time, God the Father created from nothing space, matter, and energy. Any physics people in here? Any science people in here? What, 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 what is made up of space, matter, and energy? Who said Everything. Atoms. 
The simple makeup, oh, you were right? You should have said it louder. The simple makeup of atoms is space, matter, and energy. So here's how it reads. In the beginning of time, from nothing, God created atoms. And from that point on, everything He created with was created with atoms. But if something has a beginning, it's going to have an end. Oh, you're not ready for this. They're, too, they're not ready. They're not ready. Come on now. All right. So in the beginning of time, God created the heavens and the earth. So He created the very substance of what He was going to use in the beginning. Remember, something has a beginning, it has an end. Now, this represents what? Creation. This is going to represent the cross. It doesn't, all right. We're going to put it about right here. This is Calvary. We're going to check your Bible. I know you've had Bible scholars here and you've got great teachers in the house. Got a question for you. Where was Jesus crucified? Right here, right? At Calvary. Here's the question. When was he slain? Is that what the Bible says? Yes. Book of Revelation chapter 13 says Jesus was slain before the foundations of the world, but he was crucified here. That doesn't mean anything unless you realize that God doesn't do anything here that he hasn't already finished here. That's a Shondi right there. <laughs> Come on. God doesn't do anything here. That he hasn't already done. Here. All right, you're not ready. You got the picture. Yes. Now, uh, I was supposed to tell you about all the books that I've written. Uh, I had a person critique them. We narrowed it down to a bookmarker. <laughs> so I am the author of something. I don't have massive amount of tapes to give out, but everybody's going to get one of these before you leave. Uh, this is kind of sort of on there. It's kind of right here. Uh, so when you leave out the door, make sure you get one of these. Don't worry, they're not $10. They're free. Uh, and it's, it's all I know, so don't know any more than that. <laughs> all right. Are we ready to get into the Word? All right. Turn with me to the book of First Peter. First Peter chapter 1. I'm trying to stay calm. Don't worry about it. First Peter chapter 1. Is that on the board? Verse 20. 
He indeed was foreordained. Wait a minute, watch where I'm standing. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest. You see that? But was manifest in these last days for you. See, there was a specific time when God had a plan back here before the foundations of the world that He knew what was going to take place and He knew that He was... And He saved Jesus. Do you know Jesus had to be saved? He saved Jesus for such a time as this. How about Esther? That's where we get that phrase from. Wasn't, she, wasn't Esther born for such a time as this? That Esther was in the plan of God could have been, couldn't have been born because God saved her for this. Saved Jesus to be crucified even though He was already slain. See, God doesn't do something on earth that He hasn't already finished. The Bible tells us that Jesus did what He did for the joy set before Him. Not the sacrifice. Jesus saw the whole picture. One of the things we've done over the years is we've hand out, uh, we'd take uh, uh, thousand piece jigsaw puzzles and paint them black all over. Front, back, sides, everything. Cover the picture and then paint little gold uh, stripes on the side like they're pages and put Holy Bible on it and then hand them out to the classes that we've taught and tell people there, put it together. Have you ever tried putting a thousand piece puzzle together not knowing what the picture is on the outside? Well, that's exactly how most people study the Word. They have no concept of the end picture. It's called backwards engineering. Once you know the end result or the eternal purpose, we'll talk about that in a second, then you can backwards study and understand how it all fits. But if you don't know the end reason, you're going to be taking that, those, that, that wind of doctrine and you're going to try to make that sucker fit. I just know that that's got to fit in there somewhere. And that piece don't go there. Because you don't have an understanding of God's plan. And so this eternity line that you have on that little bookmarker, real simply, is just really a, a glimpse into God's plan, His end. Don't be looking at it now and cheating. That's why we didn't give them out. All right. So it says here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, it says, He indeed was foreordained before the foundations of the world, but was manifest in these last times. These last what? That means time's going to have an end. Last means end. That there was times prior. So if time had a beginning... Time is going to have a... Amen. All right. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now all these things happened to them, verse 11. Now all these things happened to them as examples. 
And they were written for our instruction, admonishment, our motivation, our for us to learn by. Now let's let's just read this in this concept. Upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So all these things, what things? Here's the end of the ages. Is that us? What is the end of ages a reference to what? Time. So ages come to a... And it says all of these things happened for us as instructions and examples so we could fulfill the very call that God's called us for the end of the time. God has prepared everything that we have need of. Let me, exa- let me show you this. The very jawbone that Samson needed to kill the Philistines with was laying on the ground. No, let's stop. That's not a good one. The axe head that floated in the water How did that happen? Here's how it happened. The Creator, the one that made the atoms and developed the molecular structure of metal, because He created it and He's the master of it, changed the molecular structure of an axe head to cause it to be lighter than water because He could. (laughs) He's the Creator. And it needed to happen, so it did. (laughs) Everything that was made, John chapter 1, was made by them, through them, and for them. The very tree that God needed His Son to hang on at Calvary, God planted the seed of that tree at the garden because he knew his son was going to need one to hang on. So God prepared here for what Jesus needed here. Why? Because it was already done in God. Where's Eric? No, that's good. We'll make it work. All right. So I'm trying not to move too much because we're going to have a problem with this. All right. So you got the picture. Everything that all the miracles that have happened in the Bible have happened because God the Creator had a plan and He controlled the very things He created. Remember, all of these things were done so us here at the end of the age can learn, what are we supposed to learn? Well, we'll get there in a second. Here's, here's creation. I mean, excuse me, here's Calvary. Here's Acts chapter 1. The infilling of the Holy Spirit. Got a question. Here's something you probably hadn't thought about. Maybe you have. How many demons have you heard being cast out in the Old Testament? You know why? They didn't have the authority. Then you think about that. 
They weren't scared of the devil. They were scared of God. Mm. Mm. How did they take care of the evil spirits? They killed the Philistines, the Amalekites. They killed their flesh. They didn't have the power to deal with the spiritual realm. Mm. See, that authority wasn't here. That authority is... Jesus said, all authority have been given unto me. Now I give it unto you. Because you need it for something. Mmm, wonder what that is. Wow. All right. <laughs> Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 1. Verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But share with me in the suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Who has saved us? Stop right there. Anybody, is everybody in here saved? I need to know who I'm talking to. Raise your hand if you're saved. How many people have money in the bank? Raise your hand. I'm not going to get it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> How many people have something special that you have saved for a certain time? See, in churchdom, our problem is we, have, we, we think one way. See, you're not, I don't want to say it this way, Yes, you're saved from hell. I'll just let the word do it. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ before the foundations of the world. I'm, stri I'm, st I'm staying calm. I got, we got excited in class. You need to get a hold of this. You don't know, need someone to get emotional. You need to get this in your heart. Yes, amen. That you were saved in God before the world was created. He knew you by name. The scripture says in the book of Romans chapter 8, it says... He who he foreknew called. See, you're not saved. I don't want to say you're not saved from hell. You're saved from that is just so wimpy of a reason. Come on. I'm sorry, Jesus didn't come to get you just out of hell. That's right. Come on now. What is going on with the gospel? Hell is just one of the many benefits oh, yeah. of being saved. Amen. 
This scripture says that we were saved in God before the foundations of the world were created. And we were chosen to be on this earth for such a time as this. And all of that happened so it would motivate us to get us off our derrieres and walk in our authority full of the Holy Ghost. Listen, the book of Ephesians says this, that it's the responsibility of the church to make known to the principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of God. And the only reason, the only way, see, we've been given that responsibility. And the only way that you can fulfill responsibility if he gives you the authority to go with it. You don't have authority without responsibility. And you don't have responsibility without authority. You want to change the way you read the Bible? Take the word authority and put responsibility beside it every time. All these men are hollering, I'm authority, wife is authority. Now, yeah, it's your responsibility, not your authority. It is your authority, but with authority, you got responsibility. You know why they had a double portion for the, for the firstborn? Double responsibility. We got people in church crying out for a double anointing. They're not even faithful with the first one. Woo! Come on, I'm here to uplift, edify, and exhort now. Come on. <laughs> Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. I like that. I'm a grace man. I tell you what, if you think... I, I know Pastor John Holler's a grace man, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm a finished work of Calvary. Completed work, grace, a holic. Who has saved us. Next time you ask if someone if they're saved, you need to understand that you need to understand you're saved not from hell. You're saved for such a time as that. You're not here by accident. Everything that was done and has been done from creation. Listen, and not according this this says not according to your works, but according to his grace. Grace is his ability and our inability, simply said. So God over here has a plan for you over here. Over here. And over there, over here, he said, I'm going to make the atoms. The Bible says in the book of Romans that the earth, all of creation groans and waits for the manifestations of the sons of God to take their place and redeem them from the curse. Yeah. And we're worried about, pastor looked at me funny. <laughs> we need to understand that everything that God has done from this point over was to fulfill his plan for you here. Remember, he doesn't do anything on earth that he hasn't already finished here. Wait, wait a minute. It's done. You just got to walk it out. You just got to believe it. All the, the Bible says the very power or spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Wait a minute. 
and we're worried about stuff. Listen, everything your ministry is ever going to need is already done. If you need an arm to grow out, if you need someone to raise from the dead, if you need blind eyes to open, the atoms are waiting by the Creator to beckon to the call. We wouldn't have been given the responsibility without the authority. Young people, you've got to take this. You've got the authority. You've got the gifts. You've got the power of Almighty God dwelling in us. This is a picture that if you get it in your heart, if God be for me, <laughs> who can be against me? The whole world can. But guess what? It won't matter. It doesn't matter. Listen. The, the, let me just go to the book of Ephesians. Let me read this again one more time before we turn. Who has saved us. Are you saved? You know, the, the scripture tells us that angels didn't even know that we were coming. That we were hidden. We were hidden in God until this was manifest. And Paul went out to talk to the Gentiles. The mystery that was hidden from the ages. What's that mystery? That Christ could dwell in us instead of out on the outside. What's the, what's the principle of the old covenant? The principles of the Old Covenant work this way. We did something. If my people will humble themselves and pray, I, Almighty God, will do something in response. I said that sarcastically. Yes, I did. I said it sarcastically. That's the way the Old Covenant worked. We did something. God responded. The New Covenant works this way. God did it all waiting for us to respond. That's the principle. That's how simple the gospel is. God's done it all. We love one another because we've been loved first. We give because it's first been given. He's already provided, so we believe. Man, I tell you what, when you get the understanding of the new covenant, it's going to rattle some religious heads. It really will. God inhabits the praises of His people. Where did we come up with that one from? I know I'm talking to a worship church. You probably preach it here. Listen, that's so old covenant, it's incredible. You know why? Because God doesn't inhabit the praises of His people. Oh, that's in the Word. God inhabits His people in the new covenant. See, we, we have this mindset that, oh, we're going to do all this and God's going to show. He's already here. That's why we can worship. If you're waiting to do enough of the, listen, the scripture says study to show yourself approved to work when right, dividing the word of truth. Can you study enough to make yourself approved to God? No. So it says, what it's saying is study to show yourself that you are approved and you are a worker writing, dividing the word of truth full of power and authority. Listen, most Christians are in their study, trying to study and they're not doing nothing. Listen, you don't want to hear what I got to say about prayer either. Get out of the closet. Go love some people. 
Quit praying for the homosexuals to get delivered and go love on one and win them to the Lord. This, oops, almost got a little carried away. We are so stinking spiritual, religious in our Christian. It's called churchdom. All we're all the all, all the Bible all, all we're doing in church. No, I'm not that's church. We're talking about all the other churches. Yeah, I'm not this church. But in churchdom, and what you know what I mean by churchdom? Churchdom is anti-kingdom. So when I say churchdom, it's not a compliment. Okay, it's anti what Jesus came to do. Got it? Churchdom is that institutional thing that we have probably come out of. It's our own making. Don't even start getting me talking about that. I got to get back to this. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. What's the scripture say about that? Make your calling <laughs> an election sure. Well, I just want to know what to do. <laughs> just do it. Just go. Well, what if it doesn't work? What if it does? Well, I just don't want to pray for anybody because what if if it doesn't work? What if it does? Well, I don't want to tell my neighbor about Jesus. He might, what if it doesn't work? What if it does? Book of Ephesians. I'll read it again. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ before Genesis 1-1. Grace was given to you before you even knew you had it. You have a calling that you need to make sure of and that you were in God before Genesis 1-1. That you've got purpose. You've got a reason for being. Listen, getting out of the bed should be the easiest thing to do in the morning. Going to sleep should be the hardest because you're not done yet. If you've got purpose, wait, not if. (laughs) If you are saved, you have purpose God is provision people without a vision perish the scripture says that people the word vision literally means a clear mental picture and the Bible says this in Proverbs it says that if you don't have a clear mental picture you'll cast off restraints right so if you have a vision you'll bring restraints on If you have a vision of your calling, if you have a vision of who you are in Christ, then you'll be able to walk this way. It's not, grace is not about just living how you want to live because you need to live according to your calling for you to fulfill it. I use this example at church all the time, at least three or four times anyway. Take, take, take some ice. Take some water, open your freezer, and throw it in. What's going to happen to it? Shut the door. 
going to freeze. What are you going to do with it? Say nothing. Take that water, put it in little square containers, set it in there in a tray, let it freeze. What are you going to do with it? Party. <laughs> you can have a party. You can do something with the ice cubes. You're usable because you were able to put yourself under restraints for a season because you have a clear mental picture of what God's plan for your life is. You may have to go to Bible school for a year or two. You may need to learn how to give on a regular basis. Until you, listen, the Bible says this, flee fornication. Flee. Then it stops and says, resist, and he will flee. See, there's a time in your life when you're growing up, you're under restraints, you need to flee from stuff. Then there's a time after you've grown up, and you know who you are in Christ, and you know about all this authority that you have, and you're filled with the Holy Spirit and do with power, the devil's going to flee from you. See, turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 9. Verse 8. I love the book of Ephesians. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Let's stop right there for a second, since we have a little more time than we did it. It means unsearchable means, I'll, I'll explain it this way. One of the problems we have in American churchdom is that we have a preconceived idea of the end result before we study. We think, we presume we know what the Word is saying before we study, and then we just study to back up what we presume. Anything that doesn't line up, we throw out on our presumption. Unsearchable. If I tell you, I want you to, it's hunting season, and so I want you to go out in the woods and go find, if you went to Minnesota, I'd say it this way, I want you to go in the northern woods of Minnesota and I want you to find me a Minnesota gill gadget. A Minnesota gill gadget. How many people would be able to go find me a Minnesota gill gadget? Why? Oh, I know you can't, but you've heard of them. Because you have no preconceived idea what a Minnesota Guild gadget is. So when it says the unsearchable riches means that there's no preconceived, you don't even know what the track looks like. And we have a preconceived idea that we know what the riches are. And so we study according, we teach everybody all this wisdom we have, and we don't have any preconceived idea. I mean, we may have a preconceived idea, but this Bible here tells me that they're unsearchable. You can't find them. You know why? And here's another thing. God's not hiding things from you. I like, I think, Pastor, did, did Pastor Dwayne say this? I don't know who said this, but it was profound. I think I said it. <laughs> He's not hiding things from you. He's hiding things for you. Yeah. That's good. Who said that? You're pointing fingers? John Holler said that? <laughs> I don't know. You probably, you probably got it from me, though, to, 
The way, the, the way I put it this way, it's like Easter egg hunts for a two-year-old. You don't go out in the backyard, dig a hole, put the Easter egg in a six inches down, put the dirt on it, and go, find it, kid. That's like most people. No, you put that Easter egg right on the corner of the coffee table and sit back and go, ha, ha, he found it. All right, let's go on. I'm meddling. Verse 9. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning... Uh-oh. Are y'all seeing something different here? And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the... Let me walk over here and read it. From the... Everybody say beginning of the ages. Has been hidden... In God, who what? All things. Yeah, let me, next verse. To the intent or for the purpose that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principies and powers in heavenly places. Next one according to the eternal purpose. What happens when, when we say eternal purpose? See, remember, if something has a beginning, it has a... An end. Eternal means it doesn't have a beginning and it doesn't have an end. So God has an eternal purpose that everything in His Word has to line up to. And if you don't know what that is, you're trying to make this critter that doesn't exist. We must understand what the eternal purpose of God is to understand the proper application of how the pieces of the puzzle fit. Now, it's very simple. God's not coming back for a church. He's not coming back for a worshiper. I know we're in a worship church. I'm a worshiper. He's not coming back for anybody to do anything. He's coming back for a bride. Yes. Everybody yes. say bride. bride. The scripture in the book of Ephesians says, I'm going to meddle here a little bit. The scripture says that for a man to love his as so Christ loves the church as a wife. When you think of the word wife, don't answer this, you may get in trouble. I'll answer it for you. What do you usually think of? Children, laundry, duties, sex, responsibilities. A very the word wife really is a very duty oriented word. says for a man to love his wife as Christ loves the church. He's not coming back for a wife. He's coming back for a bride. Now, say the word bride. Uh-oh. She got it. How many people have been a bride? Raise your hand. Was it your day? Was everything that was done done for you? Should I take up an offering right now? The guys aren't going to give a thing. 
I tell you what, man, I'm going to give you a hint. Just let it happen three times. Let your wife hear you refer to her as your bride. Watch the atmosphere change. Don't introduce her as a wife any longer. Introduce her as your bride. And watch what happens in the home. So a man thinks in his, so is he. If you think you're special, you will be. How many sinners saved by grace do we have in here? Oh, I can't believe I got hands rubbed off. They rose their hand. Do I? They must be new. <laughs> What's the most natural thing for a sinner to do? So a man thinks in his, so is he. Why do we have a problem with sin in the church? Because people don't have a clear mental picture of what they were saved for. See, I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I was a sinner. Now my nature's changed. I've been born again. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. It's no longer I that live with Christ that lives in me. Man, we could talk on that a long time. Can't we, church? I was talking to him. Remember, you were saved. You were called. You were chosen right here. We have a purpose over there. It was planned here. All of this was done so we could heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, make an impact for the kingdom of heaven. The scripture literally calls it the promise of the Father, which is the, the coming of the Holy Spirit to govern His kingdom on this planet. The very thing that He tried to do with Adam, and all authority, all authority was given to Adam here, and the devil said in Matthew chapter 4, that the, or Matt, excuse me, Luke chapter 4, that that uh, the authority, when he offered the, 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 the kingdoms of the world to Jesus, he said, all this authority has been delivered unto him. That's why, see, see God gave authority to man to rule and reign. Actually, I'm going to stop and back up. See, see God gave, gave Adam a responsibility to guard the garden and then gave him the authority to do it. How did the serpent get in? And where was he standing when the serpent was talking to Eve? So the man did not fulfill responsibility by asserting his authority. Gave up that authority to deliver the authority that the God of this world, Satan, had. That's why Jesus had to come back as a man, the son of man, to die on the cross, to go back into the grave, go back into the pit of hell, and take back the authority that man gave up. He had to take it back as man. So when he came up, then he could say, all authority is now given back unto me, and I give it back unto you. Now go. See, that's why there's no principles. Uh, the old covenant is not full of People casting out demons, raising the dead, you know, stuff like that. Because we didn't have the authority until Jesus came and brought it back to us over here. So all of this was done so we over here could walk in victory. That's good. So we, as the scripture says, that we could recover. 
the church needs to recover from our state of deadness. Our finances need to recover from a state of inactivity and lack. Everything that we have need of is already provided. Listen, the very fish that Jesus needed to make His point to the disciples were at His command because everything that was made was made by Him. He said, fish, get on that side of the boat. Don't be on that side of the boat. And they got the message. Listen, your, min your ministry that you have, the see, oh, this is so, listen. Noah built the ark, right? How many days, how many years did God give him? 120 days. Years, excuse me, long time. What if he would have taken 121? See, we only have a certain amount of, because time has a beginning, time has a, you have a life, it has a beginning, it has a end. That is your physical realm, your cells, your space, matter, and energy. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, put it on the board quickly. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. How much do you have? Blessed with every spiritual blessing in heaven. How, what do you have need of? Nothing, because it's all been provided. Next verse. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundations of the world that we should be holy, blameless, and in love with Him for all eternity. See, your ministry is going to have an end. It had a beginning. But there's something that goes beyond your ministry and your life and your good works and all the things you're going to do here, casting out demons and all of that. There's something that goes beyond all that. That you in God... See, the Scripture says in the book of Ephesians, it's according to His good pleasure He did all this. See, it's agape love. It's one way. God loves us one way. He doesn't have to be loved back. Agape is one way love. He is created. He stood, he stood over here and said, listen, oh, he, you need to understand how this works. See, in Genesis it says, well, God, God in, says, let us make man in our own image. Man was already in them. Over here. And he said, hey, let's make man that's in us in our image here. So he took the ground and made us into three parts, spirit, soul, and body, and put us in his image. But there's going to be a time when all, there's going to be a time when all the stars wrap up and go away and go poof. Because why? They had a beginning. They have a, an end. But guess what? You and God didn't have a beginning. That's why you are an eternal being. Yes. You will live life eternally with God or eternally without Him. Because there is no beginning to you and there is no end to you. You were in God and He took part of Himself and said, listen, I want to love on them for all eternity. You know what the difference is between you and angels? Who said that? So did the angels. How did one third fall? 
Angels were created to serve. All they could do was choose not to. The only difference, oh, I've heard, oh, he was a, this is a Christ for Nation student. Oh, they were, a, uh, they were a disembodied spirit. That's true, but that's not what makes us different. Angels had no capacity for love. They could only serve. We, you, are the only ones God has ever created that have the capacity to enjoy His love for all eternity. And when was this done? Before the foundations of the world to be holy, His holiness, blameless, His blameless. What's the responsibility of a husband and his wife? The husband's supposed to present his wife blameless to himself. Listen, husbands, it's your job to make your wife feel as pretty, as special, as blameless, as awesome as she can be. Because that's the way Christ is to the church. Mmm, meddling. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. All the way, I hadn't heard a guy say it's good yet. Them women are liking this message. Yeah. Listen, that's the way God's presenting us. He, he's done what He's done, He's already done it. So we over here could do what we've been called to do until time runs out. And when time run, runs out, for all eternity, God is going to be loving on you. I know the Bible gives us the idea that God's on this throne, and, and he, yeah. But He wants someone to love on. That's why they call it the marriage supper of the... and the bride of Christ, not the wife. He's not worried about the doing. He wants you to be. Because he knows once you... Listen, Jesus didn't come to get us to stop sinning. He came to change our heart. He came to touch us on the inside. He came to heal the brokenhearted. Because once he has your heart, the rest, the gospel... Really, you don't need all this for the gospel. But you, you guys are special. Y you, you are the, the saints that want more than just the average. You really are. That's why we, we share this kind of stuff. I share this at Christ for the Nations because they want more than the average. But the gospel really is simple. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so, so He could come inside of us. In here. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. I tell you what, when you get the, when you get the idea and the concept of, of, of what's been done on the inside, it will automatically change your outside. That's right. Most Christians are trying to become something they already are. Most Christians are trying to become loved by God. They already are. Hmm. How much time we have? Whatever. Book of Matthew. We won't turn there.
the first temptation of Jesus Christ. Anybody remember what that was? Turn the stones into bread. Who said that? Wrong. I knew you said it. That's why I said no. I'm told never to call a pastor wrong in his own congregation. You're right, but that's what we... Listen, the scripture said... See, in Matthew chapter 3, in Matthew chapter 3, down at the bottom of the chapter, it says this, that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, and when he ascended out, when he came up out of the water, a dove ascended upon him, and he heard from heaven this, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Everybody with me? And then he was led out into the desert to be tempted. And so he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And the tempter came to tempt him. He said, if you be the Son of God, do something to prove it. Could he turn the rocks into bread? There was no Levitical law saying he couldn't do it. I know why, I think I know why he didn't turn the rocks into bread. What were the tablets of stone written on? <laughs> Actually, the scripture says, turn these stones into bread. The Ten Commandments were written on stones. And if he would have turned the, Jesus said, man should not live by, in other words, the essence of man's life is not going to come from bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He had just heard who he was. The temptation wasn't to get him to do something to prove it. It was getting him to doubt who he was by what he did or didn't do. See, if you can prove to me you're a good Christian by what you do, I can prove you're a bad Christian because of what you don't do. You want to have this battle? Just because you go to church and raise your hand doesn't mean you're spirit-filled. You can sit in a doghouse and bark rough, rough, doesn't make you a dog. What you do doesn't make you what you are. What he says you are determines who you are. Who you are should determine what you do. See, the reason I believe he didn't turn the rocks into bread because, or the stones into bread because the Ten Commandments were written on stones and he would have said, all right, life or substance can't come from the law. Life cannot come from the law. Death and destruction come from the law. What was the stone that was covering the grave, the tomb that Jesus was in? The stone. What had to be moved out of the way? The law has to be moved out of the way before life can come forth. Oh, I got a list of them. Mm. You want to give a... What father, when a son asks him for bread or life, will give him a stone? (laughs) What father will give him law when he asks for life? (laughs) What was the second temptation of Jesus Christ? Don't worry, they're fine. <laughs> where, where, where did Satan take Jesus? Hmm? To the temple? To Jerusalem? Well, he took him to the temple in Matthew chapter 4. He took him to the temple. What was the temple in nowadays? The church. The devil took Jesus to church. 
And he said, listen, the Bible says this, do it. If you be the son of God. See, there's a lot of churches that tell you that you're supposed to judge yourself and your statue, who you are, by what you do in the Word or don't do in the Word. If you be the Son of God, do the Scripture. If this principle is true, we should be able to find it somewhere else in the Word. Go back to the Garden of Eden, which we talked about earlier. You have Adam and Eve standing in the garden. Satan comes up to Eve and says, listen, eat of that tree of knowledge of good and evil. And she says, no, I can't do it. He says, why? He says, God says, we'll die. He says, you're not surely die. He says, says, if you eat of that tree, you'll be like God. And I really believe Eve did this. You mean I can do something on the outside to be more like God on the that I can increase my value and worth and dignity by doing something out here? Wow. Right before that, in the chapter before that says that man was created in the image and the likeness. She was already like God. And Satan made her think that she could do something to make her something she already was. Sounds like church to me. It's called the power of being. Now, if this principle is true, we should be able to find it some other places in the Word. I'm going to stand over here. What was the last temptation of Jesus Christ? I'm not talking about the movie. Jesus hanging on the cross. Roman centurion looks up. If you be. Do something to prove it. He could have called 10,000 angels. But he died alone. If he would have called 10,000 angels, he would have catapulted us into a religious system of do's and don'ts. Instead of a system based on knowing who we are in Christ because we've heard the Father say, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased and I've saved him for such a time as this. Not so they can do things for them, so they can do things for me. It's for my good pleasure. We need to quit trying to do, we quit trying to be something we already are, church. You're already chosen before the foundations of the world. The creation was created for you from the beginning. The atoms were here at your beck and call. Angels were sent to serve us that inherit righteousness. And we're worried about our cold. We're worried about what the preacher is saying. Come on. knowing who you are. It's the power of being. We're human beings, not human doings. Just something to think about. I mean, it's not spectacular. It's not... Listen, you just got to get it in your heart. Yeah. 
It'll change your life forever. See, this is what the scripture talks about us renewing our mind. There's so much in the world. How many people were here? I got got to, does anybody, watch this, no one's going to remember. Anybody remember me speaking here before? Were you here, Eric? You were here? I know everybody wasn't new. You just forgot I was here. I got five minutes one time. It was a Sunday night. Let me just show you how far. See, we let things get in our way. We let things keep us out of the promises of God that's already been given to us. We let things already take, you know, we let the law and our ability not to obey the law. You know, there's no good or bad Christian in the, in the Bible. You either are one or you're not. Now, there's a carnal-minded Christian and a spiritually-minded, but it's all based on the mindset. It's not a, it, it, you know, I don't have all this time to do this. Oh. In Colossians, Chapter 2, it says that what was against us was taken out of the way. I asked the, I do some construction work and I trip over stuff quite often because I don't set it out of the way enough and I trip over it. See, sometimes in our life, we set things out of the way. We think we've dealt with it and we set it out of the way, but not far enough. So I asked the Holy Spirit uh, how far he set it out of the way. Put Joshua chapter 3, verse 16 on the on the board. We'll just do this and we'll close. I'm just rambling right now, so, but it's fun. <laughs> Joshua chapter 3. The question is, how far did he set what was in our way out of the way? Now, this is where the, uh, before you read that, the story of the, 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 the covenant, the, the Ark of the Covenant coming into the Jordan and the Jordan being moved back so the children of Israel could go into the promised land. Watch this that the waters that which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at a town called... Where was the first law given? To who? So the water of the Jordan River that was keeping them out of the promises of God was pushed back all the way to a town called... Adam. Do you think that was by accident? Read the rest of it. And a city that besides Zarethan, so that the waters went down into the sea, at a, that's the Dead Sea, the Salt Sea, failed. So in other words, the Jordan spread back all, from Adam all the way to death. It was moved out of the way so we could How far did he take it out of the way? He totally moved any type of conditional blessing, conditional identity, conditional sonship, conditional love out of the way so we could walk into everything that pertains to life and godliness in heavenly places. But we have to believe it. We have to, now I'm not talking about free living, I'm talking free existing. If we exist, if we know who we are and have a clear mental picture that we were called from the beginning, before in the beginning, that we were called to live in this kind of world, in this kind of realm, and everything that was done, see, that was done. Joshua 3.16 was done 
so we could get a picture of it and have nothing in our way here because Jesus took care of it here because of Colossians, it says that he, the handwritings of the requirements of the law was taken out of the way. He nailed it to the cross and moved it out of the way from Adam, from the beginning to the end. Mm. That should set somebody free. I just like this one. I'm going to close with this. Remember, if something has a beginning, the law had a beginning, and the law has an end. It ended at Calvary with the old covenant. Come on, church. Let's all stand up. Father, we thank you for this opportunity you've given us to just enjoy your word, just to open your word and you being the great teacher to enlighten things in our heart. Father, I thank you that, it, that the seed was sown in our heart. Oh, thank you. Just for a second, let me, let me share this. I was just praying and he just flapped it in my head. The parable of the soils. It's called the sower, but I call it the soils. The first one was what kind of ground? Hard. The second one was what kind of ground? Say stony. A heart full of the law. Won't let the truth germinate. What was the what was the third one? What was the first result of someone? What was the first result of someone breaking a law? thorns some people are still living under a curse in your heart and it choke out the truth oh y'all need to hear this oh come on how many times did Jesus shed his blood at Calvary I mean shed his blood seven how many times was sprinkled in the altar seven one of the times was thorns in his head washed in the blood redeemed the curse if I'm not making it clear he will you will <laughs> listen church the blood oh we could go on we could go on I tell you what when you realize that <laughs> I don't get this often this opportunity very often so I You know why the, the Pharisees were outside, the priests were outside the eastern gate when Jesus came in and made the triumphal entry? You ever ask that question, why they were out there? It says the whole city was out there. Jesus coming in the triumphal entry, eastern gate. Palm Sunday, taking the leaves. You ever ask that question? For hundreds of years the children of Israel, the Passover lamb would come down to the eastern gate for Passover every year. Some people like myself and others believe that he was right behind the Passover lamb because the priests were out there to see the Passover lamb come in as they did every year 
And they turned and said, Jesus, tell your disciples to be quiet. What were they saying? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You know what the children of Israel have said for hundreds of years when the Passover lamb comes in the eastern gate? Take one guess. <laughs> Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord when the Passover lamb comes in the eastern gate. All the things. Listen, I, we, we, we could just fill this line of all the things that Jesus did as an example for us to live victorious here. You, you, know what the, you know what the priest says when he cuts the, the, at the Passover lamb, when he takes the Passover lamb and sheds the blood of the Passover lamb? Take one guess. This is what he says. He goes, it is finished. Some people like myself and others believe that he said that the exact same time Jesus said, it is finished. Oh, there's the words full of this stuff. Oh, I wish I could tell you about the Apec Duomai. Oh, gosh, another day. My wife's saying, shut up. <laughs> Father, we thank you for this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you for your word that is so simple to understand. Holy Ghost, you truly are the great teacher. And we give you praise and we give you glory. And may we be good stewards of the time, the authority, and the power, and the atoms. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, thanks for joining the One Cause Church podcast, Building a Better Life. We invite you to check us out on the web at www.onecausechurch.com for upcoming events and information about us. God bless you.